My daughter, Anne, sent me an article recently on the pending demolition of Capital City Stadium in Columbia, South Carolina. A former member of South Carolina's House of Representatives, she remembered playing there in the legislature's annual softball game and thought it was sad that the ballpark would soon be gone. Well, it, it is a, it is a interesting place and has been a landmark for the city of Columbia for on, on almost 100 years now, but I think it's time to move on with a, a new uh, development on that site, and we will place a historic marker to remember uh, the stadium and the people that played there uh, as we developed that property. In its 92-year history, the cap was a home for several minor league teams, including the South Atlantic League's Columbia Reds in the 1950s. It was where Frank Robinson played on his way to Cincinnati and the Hall of Fame, and where Hank Aaron, a second baseman with the Jacksonville Braves, played his last game in the minors before heading to Milwaukee to become one of the greatest home run hitters in baseball history. When Aaron was told about the fate of Capital City, he said it saddens you to see old ballparks torn down. After 60 years, it meant an awful lot. You know, I mean, that's this stadium brings back a lot of memory. Uh, just walking in the stadium brings back a lot of fun memories. Having lost Pittsburgh's Force Field, the ballpark of my youth, to the wrecking ball, I understood Aaron's sadness as well as that of my daughter, Anne. I didn't, however, share their feelings of loss until I read that Pirates Hall of Fame owner, Barney Dreyfus, who built Ford's Field in 1909, had financed the construction of Capital City Stadium. When the minor league Columbia Commerce lost their home field to a fire in 1926, Dreyfus, who had an informal working relationship with the Commerce owner, provided the funds for building a new ballpark. When it opened in 1927, the ballpark was named Dreyfus Field and would remain so until it was renamed Capital City in 1946. While Dreyfus may have felt honored by the naming of the ballpark after him, his biggest thrill in 1927 came when his Pirates won the National League pennant, though Pittsburgh would lose the World Series to Babe Ruth and the New York Yankees. On that 1927 team was rookie Lloyd Wainer, who played the 1926 season with the Columbia Comers before joining his brother Paul with the Pirates. The Wainers would become the only brothers in modern baseball history to be elected to the Hall of Fame. When I discovered that the Pirates owner who had built Forest Field had also funded the construction of the doomed Capital City Stadium, it brought back a flood of emotions and memories from my early days as a Pirates fan. Forest Field was where I saw my first game in 1948, played hooky and attended home openers in the early 1950s, and watched Hall of Fame slugger Ralph Kiner hit his towering home runs. With a new baseball season approaching, I recalled those past Pirates home openers in the early 1950s. Though the Pirates were awful in those days, they won every home opener from 1950 to 1954, including the first opener that I saw at Ford's Field in 1953 against the Philadelphia Phillies. The 1953 home opener was especially memorable because it was played in a mix of rain and snow and attended by only 16,220 fans including a half-frozen, die-hard teenager. The Pirates, who lost a modern record 112 games in 1952, had already dropped their first two games in Brooklyn. Trailing the Phillies 2-1 in the fourth inning, the Pirates warmed the shivering crowd by scoring seven runs in the bottom of the fourth, but reminding fans of the 1952 fiasco, they gave up nine runs in the top of the fifth and trailed 11-8. 
Completely out of character, my woeful Pirates rallied in the bottom of the fifth, tied the game, and took a 14-11 lead on infielder Danny O'Connell's three-run homer that barely cleared the fence. Ex-Cardinal Murray Dixon, who lost 21 games in 1952, came out of the bullpen and gave up only one run over the last four innings to give the Pirates a 14-12 victory. The score seemed more appropriate for a Steelers game, but it certainly fit the weather. I remember my long trek home in what was now more snow than rain, but the weather didn't dampen my spirit. The next day I headed to school with my made-up excuse that I'd attended my grandmother's funeral. I spent the rest of the day staring out at the snow and dreaming of playing someday for the Pirates. There, of course, would be many seasons to come at Ford's Field and more heroes like Bill Mazeroski in the 1960 World Series, but I couldn't imagine, back in 1953, and my field of dreams would be gone one day. Years ago, the gentleman that started me broadcasting baseball, the late Rosie Roswell, opened up Forbes Field Broadcasting. And now, it looks like we're going to close it down. One ball, one strike. And I'll be honest with you, it's getting to me. But while the wrecking ball can destroy a force field or a capital city stadium, it can't destroy the memories that live on long after the ballpark is gone. This is Pete Peterson for Reading Baseball.